Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of North Hill, Michigan, here to talk with you all about PlayStation once again, or more specifically, PlayStation's network offerings through the sale, or maybe not, of movies through the PlayStation Store. Now, I want to thank jprice02 on Twitter for bringing this to my attention with the tweet, thoughts, at Hogue Law, and directing me to an article from a site called Flat Panels HD that said, in a move that will undoubtedly draw severe criticism, movies from Studio Canal that customers have purchased on the PlayStation Store will be completely removed next month. The legal notice is published on PlayStation's German and Austrian websites, where it reads, As of August 31st, 2022, due to our evolving licensing agreements with content providers, you will no longer be able to view your previously purchased Studio Canal content, and it will be removed from your video library. Now, as you can imagine, this is something of an apocalypse for fans of digital content. It has always been the case that we know things are licensed and not sold. We've talked about it a lot in virtual legality, but for the most part, these platform providers, be they PlayStation or Xbox or Vudu or wherever else you get your movies, songs, video games, elsewise, even when facing a contractual discontinuation, have allowed people that paid them money to continue to download and otherwise use the content that they have quote unquote purchased. This appears to be one of the major instances where that will not be the case, at least in Germany and Austria for PlayStation Store customers. And this is a big enough deal to the entertainment community at large that Variety itself went out with an article just over an hour ago entitled Sony's PlayStation Store pulling access to purchased Studio Canal movies next month with the same kind of news acknowledgement and then a statement. The move comes a year after Sony's PlayStation Group stopped offering movie and TV show purchases and rentals as of August 31st, 2021, citing the rise of streaming video services. At the time, Sony assured customers that they can still access movie and TV content they have purchased through PlayStation Store for on-demand playback on their PS4, PS5, and mobile devices. But clearly, Variety notes, that didn't mean forever. Now, I do want to point out something here. In this paragraph, I saw in a number of articles, not all of which I've included in this video, this is a little bit tricky of the way this has been quoted out in Variety and was equally quoted out in other outlets. At the time, Sony assured customers that they can still access movie and TV content is accurate, but only technically so, which I know some of you are going to say is the best kind, but it can be a problem when reporting on something. So here's the PlayStation blog from uh, early last year, March 2021, gave a little bit of a heads up, said, at SIE, we strive to provide the best entertainment experience for PlayStation fans. And that means evolving our offerings as customer needs change. We've seen tremendous growth from PlayStation fans using subscription-based and ad-based entertainment streaming services on our consoles. With this shift in customer behavior, we have decided to no longer offer movie and TV purchases and rentals through PlayStation Store as of August 31st, 2021. When this change takes effect, users can still access movie and TV content they have purchased through PlayStation Store for on-demand playback on their PS4, PS5, and mobile devices. And it's the second portion of this sentence that is quoted in Variety and these other outlets. But as a lawyer, I have to point out that this still does something in the sentence. When this change takes effect, as I read it, really only applies to the situation as of August 31st, 2021. Now, obviously, 
PlayStation and Sony want you to keep considering buying things from their store and otherwise to assure you back in March of 2021 that we didn't just rob you and take your money and are now killing all access to your movies, even though that's exactly the scenario they are dealing with now. Still, I think it's a bit unfair for Variety to elide the top of the sentence here and only quote the back half. And I think this is unfair, not just in Variety, I'm not throwing them solely under the bus, but in other articles that I have read on this topic, when PlayStation, as much as you might not like it, really did limit the effects of that sentence solely to that August 31st, 2021 window. Now, the other thing I note as part of this particular news item is that August 31st is an important date. They cut off their video service uh, items in the PlayStation Store as of that date. And then when we look at what's happening right now, the cutoff for Studio Canal is exactly one year thereafter, which as a contract lawyer myself, reads to me as some kind of contract term, right? Sony licenses in the right to sell you Studio Canal features. It seems to me likely that in their contract at some point in some provision, it says, if you ever stop offering our content, if you ever cease your store entirely, perhaps, then one year thereafter, we can discontinue access through that storefront, through your servers, because frankly, we don't trust you. We're not making money off you anymore. And so we don't have to support you, which makes this a bit of a Studio Canal problem, sure, but also a Sony problem, because at some level, we are depending when we purchase digital content, including video games, on these various platforms, publishers, or other parties to get the licenses right. You've heard me say in virtual legality at times before that from a consumer perspective, it's not my problem. And this seems to be one of those times. If you have your game pulled and I can no longer access it because you didn't license your music right, not my problem. If you sold me something and then lose the rights to that so that I can no longer use that which I paid for, at some level, it's not my problem. But what people ask me about on these topics, why they ask for my thoughts at all, is really the question of, is this a legal problem? First and foremost, I think it's a business problem. I think it's a public relations problem. I'm entirely against this kind of behavior. And I'm entirely against, in all honesties, the way that they describe what is purchased and what is owned. Even in this blog, the sentence at issue says content they have purchased. At no point did anybody purchase content here, which is a fact that PlayStation makes crystal clear in their terms of use, which we're going to take a look at, but that they constantly refer to using purchase and ownership and language that really, in my opinion, does run afoul of even the legalese that they use to try to get away with it. That people who don't read their terms of service, that don't otherwise engage even in virtual legality on these particular topics, are thrown by what's happening here with the digital marketplace in a way that I think does verge on deceit if not outright fraud. I did a video last year called Lawsuit or Digital Stores Perpetuating Fraud, Are You Buying It? about a lawsuit that was effectively premised, I believe on Vudu, using a buy button for when they want to sell you TV shows or movies, but in their terms of service saying, hey, they can rescind these, you can lose them. And is that something that is an acceptable market practice for these particular markets? And I said, look, I can go tell you all these things as a lawyer. You're not buying the movie. You're not even buying access to the movie. You are buying a license right, and that license right is conditioned on X, Y, and Z. That's what we're going to look at. 
in the PlayStation Network terms of service. But I can also tell you that that isn't the reasonable person's understanding of what is happening here. When they say you purchase a movie or purchase a television show that PlayStation uses, when they use a buy button, all these various things, people aren't thinking that they are purchasing a revocable license to this particular content that can be revoked at virtually any time and is largely dependent on your trust in the person that you've purchased it from that they signed their contracts correctly and didn't have only a one year tail on when they decided to stop selling you movies. So I think people are justifiably upset when this kind of thing happens. But now as a lawyer, I'll talk to you about why Sony thinks they can do this contractually. Now that doesn't mean that they're completely out of the woods. That doesn't mean that they aren't gonna get into trouble in certain jurisdictions, including most prominently the European Union and potentially Germany and Austria themselves. We don't know, by the way, whether this extends to the United States or any other jurisdictions or whether this was limited solely to that contract that Sony had. Although if it was limited, that's great. And even if it wasn't, I would expect Sony's lawyers to at least be going over these provisions with a fine tooth comb now that they're aware of them, although this probably wasn't when they were first made aware. So hopefully they've been doing that process already. Now, this is the PlayStation Network terms of service. The PlayStation Network is the digital platform with which you purchase things like video games and formerly before now, movies. And it says access to and use of the PlayStation Network is expressly conditioned upon acceptance of this agreement. So you can't even use the service unless you've agreed to these terms. You'd click through it somewhere. Probably you didn't read it, but we're going to read through the salient points here. You accept this agreement by creating an account for PSN, by making a purchase on the PlayStation Store, or through any other use of PSN, or by continuing to use PSN after being notified of a change to these terms. If you are on the PlayStation Network, then you have agreed to this, even if you don't think you've ever even seen it. Probably not great, but it is the way this works. Now, when we talk about these things, the PlayStation services include the network, the store, plus video, which is what we're concerned with most here, now direct, and those websites, products, and services that SIE and its affiliates offer through or in connection with PSN or your account. Now, interestingly, this hasn't been updated in a while. Video doesn't exist anymore. Now doesn't exist. It's been baked into plus. They should probably update this document. PSN content includes the games, music, movies, services, virtual currency, vouchers, virtual communities, and other digital products or content through PSN. Here's an important factor, and I've highlighted what's really important to us. Availability of PSN, its features, and its content varies depending on which PlayStation device or other device you are using to access PSN and is subject to change at any time. I highlighted this because this sentence actually says availability to anything that you might otherwise purchase through the network is subject to change at any time, subject to removal at any time. And we will in fact see that as we scroll down past the code of conduct and other things that we have discussed in other videos in virtual legality. Now, when you do use the store, PlayStation Store is where you can buy digital games, subscriptions, virtual currency, and other digital content. This says that the store has purchased terms that when you agree to pay for all transactions made by you, you authorize Sony to deduct from your wallet all the money that they need to, and you agree to the terms of this agreement. And when you order content from the PlayStation Store, you buy a personal license to use that content for private non-commercial use. Now, this is actually video games here in Section 8 and is not video, but it gives you a notion of what we expect to see when we do get to the video section. In the store, upon our confirmation of your transaction and subject to the applicable usage terms, you may access the PSN content you ordered through the account that you used to complete the order. You are solely responsible if you do not choose to download or access the content before it is removed or your license expires. And for the authorized ongoing storage and safekeeping of the content, we are not obligated to provide you with replacement copies for any reason. So even on the store side, 
video games that you're purchasing on a PlayStation. This is what PlayStation is supposed to do is play video games for you. Sony basically disclaims any and all obligation to deliver you the good that you quote unquote purchased, right? They say, look, you're solely responsible for downloading this when you otherwise pay us the money. If we take it down and remove access tomorrow, sorry about that, pal, you're out of luck. And these are the kinds of terms that get people upset and honestly, rightly so. Now let's look at the content license and restrictions in section 10. All intellectual property rights subsisting in PSN content, including all software, data, services, and other content subsisting in or used in connection with PSN, the online idea and access to content and hardware used in connection with PSN belong to SIE, its affiliates, and its licensors. Okay, you don't own anything. Everything that is content on our service belongs to us. Fair enough, Sony. Use of the term, quote unquote, own, quote unquote, ownership, quote unquote, purchase, quote unquote, sale, quote unquote, sold, quote unquote, sell, quote unquote, rent, or quote unquote, buy in this agreement or in connection with PSN content does not mean or imply any transfer of ownership of any content data or software of any intellectual property rights from SIE, its affiliates, or its licensors to any user or third party. Now, if you just read that sentence or you didn't watch the prior video in virtual legality and said, I'm sorry, does Sony just say use of the term ownership does not mean or imply any transfer of ownership? Well, yes and no. From a lawyer's perspective, it's actually trying to skin the onion very thinly on this particular point. You don't get ownership of the rights to say The Hunger Games from Studio Canal. You get rights to a license to otherwise access that movie, Hunger Games from Studio Canal. And that's what Sony depends on for this purpose. So when we talk about these issues, we're talking about a situation in which Sony says you don't own the right to actually watch The Hunger Games or to otherwise exploit The Hunger Games. You only own the right to a certain ticket that we have sold you to see The Hunger Games until that ticket is no longer viable. 10.2, except as stated in this agreement, all content provided through PSN is licensed on a non-exclusive and revocable basis. Now, non-exclusive makes sense. They don't want to have sold you the Hunger Games so that you're the only person on earth that can watch it. Totally fine. Revocable might confuse some people. You've exchanged your $15 so that you can watch the Hunger Games because you're a big fan of uh, Katniss Everdeen and you just really are excited about having this in your quote-unquote possession, remembering, of course, that that doesn't convey or imply any transfer of ownership. And yet, that license is revocable certainly upon termination of this agreement, but also your license to any content. Now, we haven't described a termination concept for the license. That's going to come later. If that happens, you will immediately cease use of the content and delete or destroy any copies. Now, that wasn't mentioned in the message, but that does raise a question. If I lose my license to access the content, and 10.8 says, when I lose that access to license, I have to destroy copies, does downloading even get me out of that? If somehow I captured everything that I had purchased from Studio Canal on a hard drive that I hooked up to my PlayStation, am I obligated under these terms of service to destroy those copies? Now, that question might be angels on the head of a pin because nobody's going to come after you for those kinds of things. But these are the kinds of landmines that are baked into this particular scenario. And then finally, we get to section 11, video content. Video content includes any recordings of live streams of sports, music concerts, and other entertainment events, television shows, and movies made available for rental purchase or free viewing through PSN. Video content is made available to account holders in select territories for your personal, private, non-commercial viewing in your authorized territory using a limited number of PlayStation devices or other devices during an authorized viewing period. 
Video content may be made available to you as a live or near live stream, as a licensed copy for rental for a limited duration, a licensed copy for an indefinite duration, or as a licensed stream supported by advertising or promotional materials that may be for a limited duration. What are we concerned about there? We are concerned about a licensed copy for an indefinite duration, which is called other licensed content in this document. Now, first and foremost, as a lawyer, I can initially see the problem that people have. People probably assume, in my experience, that what they are receiving is a licensed copy, not for an indefinite duration, which does imply that there is potentially a termination somewhere out in the ether, but for a perpetual duration. If we were writing this to actually give people what they think they were purchasing, this would say perpetual. But Sony can't agree to that because that's not what they're requiring of their third-party licensing partners. So when we're talking about quote-unquote other licensed content, which obviously is best defined here as purchased licensed content, since we're otherwise using rental here, or perhaps licensed and purchased content, they use the word other, because probably they're a little bit skittish about talking about ownership and purchasing at all, as we saw from the provisions above. So when we get to section 11.7, we see where the rubber hits the road and why Sony thinks they're entitled to do what they're doing with Studio Canal. Other licensed content may be downloaded or streamed to authorized devices. Fantastic. You can use what you bought. For other licensed content that is downloaded, you may be able to view that content for a limited number of times on certain authorized devices only. Maybe. We don't actually get any rules here. Not terribly useful. For other licensed content that is streamed, you may be prohibited from streaming multiple titles of other licensed content or multiple streams of a single title of other licensed content from your account at any one time. Maybe. Again, we don't know. A lot of maze in that sentence. After ordering other licensed content, we encourage you to immediately download the content where supported on all authorized devices on which you may want to later view it. Don't actually know if PlayStation Video had the ability to download the content that you quote unquote purchased from them. If they did, they're telling you, you better download that just like it's a video game because God knows if we're still going to offer it to you tomorrow. In some cases, other licensed content may not be available for subsequent copying or downloading to additional authorized devices. Access to other licensed content that has been purchased may also be subject to compatibility between the authorized device and the video format of the other licensed content. Continued availability to the other licensed content from our third-party licensors and other applicable restrictions. I highlighted in red here, but that's where Sony gets the quote-unquote right to do this to you and your poor Studio Canal library. Access can be limited based on availability to that content from our third-party licensors. Studio Canal says, hey, Sony, you can sell our stuff through your service. Oh, wait, you're terminating that service. Let's take a look at our contract. Well, we can eliminate the right for your paying customers to access that a year after you shut down the store. And that's where we find ourselves. They have told you in section 11.7, which I'm sure everybody has memorized in the terms of service for the PlayStation video store, that this kind of thing can happen. And I don't mean to throw Sony solely under the bus here. Every platform has a provision that looks a little bit like this. The entire digital market on these things is basically premised on faith and trust that the platform providers did what they needed to do. Now, there's some safety nets here in the United States with movies anywhere where you can line up your licenses across multiple platforms so that if one lost the rights, you wouldn't necessarily lose the rights to your library. But that's not global and it isn't a perfect solution, especially if one of these distributors, one of these studios just decides to pull everything from everywhere all at once. 
Section 11.8, Sony more precisely disclaims any responsibility for this situation. Delivery of and your access to video content are depending on variables not under our control, including the speed and availability of your broadband or network connection. Totally fair. If your internet falls, that's not our fault. Compatibility between the format of the video content and the authorized device you use to access that video content. Maybe a little bit more Sony's fault if the PlayStation 5 doesn't interact with the platform that they're otherwise selling you through uh, on the PlayStation 5. Availability of video content from our third-party licensors. There's that term again. And any applicable restrictions that may be imposed on the video content from our third-party licensors. So not only is availability premised on the third-party license, it also might have other restrictions placed on it by the third-party licensor. And Sony isn't telling you what those might be at all. You're just signing up and paying them money on the understanding that, hey, maybe something could come up in the future. Not a great deal of information to give informed consent to a term like this. Sony is not responsible for any delays or technical difficulties in downloading, streaming, or viewing the video content related to these variables. And you will not receive a refund or credit for any download or streamed content that you are not able to view or have difficulty viewing due to these uncontrollable variables, unless the content is faulty or unless the law requires otherwise. Now, I think a good enterprising lawyer could argue that if you've paid to access Hunger Games and you can no longer access Hunger Games, that that is a kind of faulty. It doesn't exist. It's kind of the highest level of faulty. But Sony feels that they are protected with language like this, and I can't say they're wrong in many, many jurisdictions. What I can say is that this does appear to violate certain of the core psychological and ethical tenets of good faith, fair dealing, when they know that the customers that they are selling to don't have this understanding that they buried in the middle of section 11 of their terms of service. Similarly, the refund policy says exactly the same thing. We don't owe you a refund unless it's faulty. And again, you'd have to make the argument that this situation is faulty. Now, I also want to comment on one other thing that I noticed here. They have said that these are variables outside of their control. And yet, their relationship with the third party, here's Studio Canal, is by far the closest and most able to protect the customers on these particular issues. They aren't even telling the customers what availability restrictions there might be or what restrictions there might be. Bare minimum, they could, of course, disclose those on the page to the Hunger Games or anything else or any other contract with a third-party licensor that might cause similar issues. They didn't do that. And so now they're calling those variables uncontrollable. And honestly, I have issue with that. They're a contract party. They're a multinational tech giant. They are far better positioned to negotiate and to know what these issues are with the studio canals of the world than the lowly person putting 15 bucks into their PlayStation Network account so that they can have a good time watching Katniss and her bow and arrow. So PlayStation is already playing fast and loose with the definitions here by calling these particular things uncontrolled and then also putting them in a list of actual uncontrolled variables. Sure, Sony shouldn't be responsible for whether your internet flakes out, and maybe they shouldn't be responsible for whether or not the movie that is provided through their own services interacts properly with the PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5. Well, maybe mobile devices are a better argument for that. Either way, those aren't nearly as controllable as actually entering into contracts with licensors, the terms of which only you know, Sony. So by the time you are getting headline stories in Variety and folks are saying, well, Sony might have the rights in their terms of service. Yes, they claim that they do, but this is a really, really bad look 
for a company that makes a lot of its money selling you digital products. Heck, one aspect of the PlayStation 5 doesn't have a disc at all. They're only interacting with the PlayStation Store and other vendors. If I'm Voodoo, if I'm Amazon, if I'm Apple, I'm a little upset that Sony let this kind of thing happen and it gets put in variety because it hurts the entire ecosystem and people's faith within it. Is this the kind of thing that should be regulated? I can't speak to that, but I can say I don't blame anybody for thinking that they had more rights in the Hunger Games or any other Studio Canal film or anything else they might have purchased through any of these platforms than they actually do. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy conversations about the business and law of video games, tech, software, pop culture, and more, please consider supporting us. We can't do it without support from viewers and listeners like you. Check us out on Utreon, where more of your support dollars get straight to us and aren't locked up in the platform. Or if you're more familiar with Patreon, please do check out that as well. And as one of those tiers, you can support an episode a month. And I want to give special thanks to Opal Studded Dagger for supporting us at that tier and supporting the channel for so, so long. Very much thanks, Opal Studded Dagger. I appreciate it. Now, if neither of those things seem attractive to you, just subscribing, telling your friends, upvoting, downvoting, commenting, engaging with this YouTube algorithm that we all love so much, every little bit helps the channel grow. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.